Welcome to the Lifestyle of Reverence podcast. My name is Rochelle Sheik, and I'm the founder of Koya. Koya remembers that everything is interconnected, lives a lifestyle of reverence, integrates the polarities of masculine and feminine, light and dark, and heaven and earth into wholeness. Koya honors the energy that moves outwards to the cardinal directions, to the north, to trust the physical sensation of truth in the body, to the south, anchoring your truth through doing your sacred work in the world, to the west, following the call of your soul to explore, and to the east, living your life as prayer. Koya also honors the energy that moves inwards to access your inner wisdom, inner creativity, inner sensuality, and inner light. Koya honors through movement, ritual, community, and pilgrimage, exploring the paths that point you back to your soul, giving you courage to enter the portal of possibility, to remember to remember. Our first series is about the call to create and that our bodies were meant to do this. We'll explore the themes of menstruation, pregnancy, hormonal cycles, and the value of lived experience in the body as a way to map the path of creation from idea to actualization. Our next guest is Neha Sangwan. She is the CEO and founder of Intuitive Intelligence. And Dr. Neha Sangwan is a mechanical and biomedical engineer, an internal medicine physician, an international speaker, and corporate and medical communication expert. Her book, Talk Rx, Five Steps to Honest Conversations That Create Connection, Health, and Happiness. You can learn more about Neha at drneha.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Rochelle Sheik, and I'm here with Neha Sangwan. And I'm so honored to have her here because she is an incredible resource in many, 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 many ways. One is that she's a doctor and she's written an incredible book, and she's also in the process of writing another one. But she's also been on a few Koya retreats and done the Koya teacher training. And so she really understands from the perspective that we're exploring this information that through movement we remember. We remember our essence as wise, wild, and free. And also we remember that everything is within. And so we learn how to use our awareness of the body to empower us in our lives. So she has so much wisdom to share. So I feel so grateful that she was so generous with her time to join us here today. So Neha, welcome. Yay. (laughs) Excited to be here. Great. Thank you so much. And so I'm curious, I know you have a lot of different things that you do, but one of the things that really feels powerful to me is um, your first book and really focusing about honest conversations. Could you share a little bit of what you found as a doctor and what you wish all women knew about the wisdom in their bodies and, and just this interplay of how honest conversations with our doctors, with ourselves, with other people influences our health? Yeah, it's uh, it's a really big deal and not enough people are talking about the connection between being honest and authentic, and how it affects our physical body. And I tell you that my patients actually are the ones who taught me this. 
um, you know, when they'd come in with a heart attack or a stroke or pneumonia or something, I would help them through that. And then I would get chocolates and cards and family members so excited, like saying I was amazing. And about two years later, they would come back through the emergency department with another stroke or, you know, blood sugar out of control or whatever it was. So I started asking them questions and asking them about what mattered most to them and what was at the root of all of their stress. Because as scientists, we know that 95% of all illness is exacerbated or caused by stress. Hmm. But I wasn't asking those questions. I was just numbing whatever symptoms they came into the hospital with in crisis. Uh, I was taking care of that, but I wasn't actually getting to the root of what was happening. So what I would say, um, the reason I wrote TalkRx and, and really the bottom line of what I learned through sitting at the bedside with all of these patients is that when you, we've grown up learning as children to numb out the signals coming from our bodies. When I was very little, I got told things like, go to your room until you stop crying. And when you have a smile on your face, you can come back out. Mm. Right? So when I'm a little kid, I start getting messages that is, you know, these signals coming from inside me are not okay. And so go fix them, get rid of them and come back out. And so by the time these adults would show up in the operating room, the emergency department, whatever it was, they were so tuned out and numbed out that they didn't even believe that it had some connection to why they were sick. So what I'd say is I think tuning back into your body, tuning into your physiology, which I call your heart racing, your stomach turning, your, you know, muscles tightening, not breathing, um, headaches, whatever it is, uh, if you learn to tune back into your body, you're going to get early signals, early signals, the earliest signals, actually, uh, that tell you that something's off or something works for you or your intuitive guidance really comes as your body's communicating with you before anybody else knows. And so when you tune back into that, uh, you're going to have a great advantage in every conversation, in making decisions, in knowing who to you know, partner with, in knowing whether to get your house, to change your job, whatever it is. And so I'd say it's really, really powerful. And I hope not to meet you in the hospital. I hope that you start using this guidance much earlier. Wow. Thank you so much for articulating that in such an accessible, succinct way, because I was talking about this the other day, like when we know that 95% of illness is caused or exasperated by stress, and still we are operating under this default of allowing ourselves to sort of um, be in that that momentum tunnel of stress, like it's an indication of how much we care about something, about how stressed out we are about it. Yep. And, and, but, but it's really also denying the body signals, like you said, of, of the heart racing, of the, you know, the anxiety, of the discomfort. And so this putting attention on how we actually feel and honoring how we actually feel and developing those tools, you know, whether it's the meditation or the yoga or, you know, the, the whatever is self-soothing to calm the nervous system so that it can stay in its highest functioning capability to allow us to stay true and connected to the things that are most important to us. So 
I mean, it's so amazing that that came from your experience of, of really paying attention to others as you were, you know, being a doctor and dealing with these health crises. And then at the same time, I'm curious how this has affected your own life as you noticed it happening externally. Yeah. Um, so I wish that I could say I just was smart enough to learn this uh, by watching other people. Um, but I am so guilty of, I'm definitely a recovering people pleaser. And so I spent a lot of my life um, wanting to please my parents in the Indian community. That's why I'm an engineer and a doctor, right? I'm a good Indian child that studies every science uh, textbook there is. Um, but I think in my own life, I burned out. And so I actually, as I was listening to these patients and helping them, I went into even more service of helping them. And I did myself a disservice um, and my colleagues and my patients because I ended up having to be on medical leave for nearly three months, uh, burned out and really frustrated with myself. And, you know, there's, um, there's probably a really, let me, let me really quick read this little passage in here. Mm -hmm, Please. Um, It's the beginning of chapter two in my book and it says, knock, knock, guess who? And by the way, this is your body. (laughs) Um, Your body is polite. It knows you're busy. So it first communicates with a whisper, you know, that annoying tightness in your shoulder or your neck. But when you brush it off, it begins to speak louder and you develop an aching upper back. If you're still too busy to pay attention, it raises its voice again and you'll wake up with a stiff neck and lower back pain. Push on through and your body will have no choice but to knock you out with a two by four. Next thing you know, you'll be flat in bed and calling in sick to work. And the best part is you'll be surprised by it all. (laughs) And so to me, I had become so good at numbing out all these signals and to the point that I literally burned out and had to go on medical leave to learn this about myself. Mm. Um, What I'd say, Rochelle, that is probably the most important for people listening is if you don't want, like your body wants you to... It basically, your brain is there to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, protect, it's protecting you. Why would people slow down and meditate and tap into this discomfort if they didn't know what to do with the discomfort once they tapped into it? Mm-hmm. This is really why I wrote this book. This is really your techniques in Koya have helped me move through and allow that discomfort to move through me. Mm. Right. Um, once I can start to tap into it and manage it, uh, like not manage it as much as uh, experience it, I think would be a better way to say that. Mm-hmm. What my book does is then helps people. Now what? When I need to have that conversation, I just realized this thing about my sister has been bothering me for a long time and I've never said anything. Now What? Right? So there's a few pieces to the discomfort. First is acknowledging that your body's talking to you, slowing down enough and honoring that message. Then there's how do you experience it and let it move through you. Mm -hmm. And then there is what do I do now with this information? And so I feel like we're all pieces of this beautiful puzzle to help people um, find freedom. 
and connection to their uh, connection to their authentic self. I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> and and I really appreciate you sharing the part of your journey, which is interesting because I feel like a lot of people, whether they're already doing their sacred work or they are. Um, on the verge of offering it out to the world or they're in their own personal initiations. I know for me, some of the bigger challenges that I've had, it's like, I really go through it. Like you, you know, had to go on medical leave, but then you have such an embodied understanding of your teaching, you know, and it like, and you can be such a better advocate and ambassador of your message because you lived it. And you can so like, authentically look someone in the eye who feels like, you know, I have this really big, important job, or I have, you know, all these responsibilities. I don't have time to listen to my body. And you can look them in the eye and say, I completely understand. And you can write like what you wrote, you know, in the beginning of chapter two of, because you, you lived it. And this is for me, when it comes to really honoring and listening to the body, it really comes to um, having an expansion of perception around what life is versus mm-hmm. all of life being perceived from my mental analysis, judgment, and categorization of events versus the direct lived experience of them. Yeah, and, and so when we really allow ourselves to be in the body and to feel and to sense and, and really to be in the present moment, you know, then there's, that's where the power and the healing and, and also the fulfillment is versus just the mind just trying to, which, um, you know, has its own gifts. But I think it's amazing that you're bringing this um, practical, like real world approach that's, that's in your book, but then also really bringing it also into how we like making that connection to our health, because if we don't feel good, it's very, very difficult to do anything else. And so it's like, you know, from every angle, it's like, you know, I'm trying to get people to um, be inspired to pay more attention to their body. And I feel like health is like, you know, a really big motivation factor. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's interesting, Rochelle. I think, you know, we're a world that is very heavy on data. Mm-hmm. And data, 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 data. And so I grew up trying to please the world outside me. And I found myself confined to the left half of my brain. And that being the most valuable piece um, to me belonging in the world. Mm-hmm. And so when my first step of the journey in writing this book was connecting the, well, the right and left sides of my brain, but then my head to my heart. And I think what Koya has done for me uh, is taken me, the head heart connection was very important, especially in being compassionate and connected to my patients and to myself and having grace for myself when I burned out. But what Koya did was take me from head to heart to body intelligence. Mm. And so to me, that's a more expansive space. And I think I needed to take it one step at a time for me. Mm. I think it may have been too big of a leap, that being that confined for that long in my left brain. I I don't know. Maybe it would have been fine. (laughs) But um, I think the steps that led me here um, were really helpful because of how I was conditioned growing up. 
I'm so and, glad you said that. Were you going to say something else? Um, I was just going to say, I mean, there's also a way that you, you know, I've been really honest with you and with the Koya teachers, uh, you know, that I did the Koya teacher training, but I did it for me because I was too scared to actually go out and lead a movement class in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and it's interesting, I can code someone when they're dying and bring them back to life, but the awkwardness that I felt by moving my body with freedom and ease and joy just was so foreign to how I was raised. And so it's, um, I think what's really important is knowing um, that there's these steps and stages to go through and that just how open you guys are to um, meeting people where they're at and allowing them into this sisterhood and community of support that helps them find what is true for them. So for that, I thank you. Mm, thank you so much for articulating this, this part that there are phases and stages and you don't have to rush or force and there's this opportunity to be where you are and also just really bringing voice to the culture that we live in that does really you know um just rewards you more for your your mental pursuits you know than I mean I guess the way that I could explain this is I you know got straight A's in high school and you know I always did well in school I loved school and I went back home um maybe you know it's like in my mid-20s and a friend's mother said to me like wow it's so interesting you know you were so smart so interesting you decided just to become a yoga teacher like (laughs) and it was just it was it was just like this really interesting thing like like I had just sort of given up all of my mental capabilities to do something just in the body and like she was you know it was like it was sort of like you could have been like a hedge fund banker or you could have been like you know you could have had like a career in business you could have like done all these things but you just became a teacher and it was really interesting in that moment because I was so in it I didn't even but, but in the moment, I thought if I was doing, like, the ROI, like, the return on investment of all the ways that you could spend time and energy, I was feeling so good in my body <laughs> that I was yeah. spending all this time that I was just like, well, whatever I end up doing to feel this good and awake and alive, and it's like, this is such an amazing investment and such an incredible investment in my health. And, and I just really felt that whatever I was going to do in my life, that this time, this investment in understanding how my body works, how it heals, and, and, and how to communicate with it was going to be a lifelong skill that was going to take me the whole way through, hopefully. And so it was just this real interesting shift in perception where um, I, I just really realized some of the culture's judgment and voice it around and how bizarre that is considering, you know, how many how common it is to for people to really like have you know lower back pain from all the sitting and you know just all these sort of things that come from a sedentary work orientated mind focused lifestyle so um i'm glad that you brought it up that it's just a lot of people potentially listening you know or you know spending a lot of their time maybe not being fully embodied but a little bit goes a long way and to just you know just like you want to listen to like you said that little ache in the shoulder before it gets to like you know the whole upper back tensing before it gets to like you can't get out of bed to also cultivate the ability to listen to those positive things like oh my gosh i went to a yoga class one day that was really fun okay maybe instead of once a month 
I go once a week, you know, to yeah. just start to listen to things that feel good. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful outside. Maybe I can take that next meeting as like a walk and talk, you know, yeah. like I'll just put yeah. them on and I'll just go walk around for 20 minutes instead of sitting at my desk and to just start to pay attention to the things where it does feel good in the body little by little. Yes, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting. I, I just want to do a little reframe on data. There's data that we talk about, like a plus double-blinded placebo-controlled trial with 10,000 subjects, right, that people publish in science. And, mm-hmm. and then there is what I have learned. I studied all that data for the first three and a half decades of my life. And now in the last decade, it's been about N equals one, and not N equals 10,000 people, but N equals one. Mm. And can I wait that moment inside you that you just said, oh, wow, that really felt good. Maybe I'll take the next walk, the next meeting, and I'll be walking. Can I listen to N equals one, meaning me? Mm. And can I counterweight that idea of what people say in the world is real? Like, the woman who said to you, you know, your, your friend's mom who said, wow, and you just became a yoga teacher. What was so brilliant about that is you basically tapped into N equals one. Like, wow, my experience is that I feel really good in my body. <laughs> like, this feels really important. Like, you don't just go with what the world says and react to, to that. You counterbalance it with your own experience. And I think that we need to read it. I'm speaking to um, a department on Monday of physicians and nurses, and, um, and that's how I'm going to open. I'm going to open saying, wow, let's talk about all the data that we value in the world. And for the next two hours, how about if we pay attention to N equals one? Mm. So I want to shift the conversation in medicine around what is data? And do we look at lab tests and ignore what the symptoms that the person in front of us is saying because we tell them that the lab is normal? Wow. That's not okay. And we need to start calling this out. And I'd say to everyone on the call, when someone tells you you are fine and you know you don't feel fine, Mm -hmm. listen to N equals one. Mm, wow, I feel like that's such a powerful way to close. And so I'd love to say thank you again, Neha, and also offer a prayer to everyone that hears this to really let that come all the way in, that that ability to really honor the equals one, to really honor your individual experience and to feel some ease and right timing without force without guilt but just with just a genuine curiosity and self-honoring to listen to the signals of the body and the ones that are getting your attention for some care and healing and also the ones that are getting your attention where there's joy and enthusiasm and vibrancy and to be able to really flow with the authenticity of your experience and then also with Neha's work, the courage to start to authentically express that. So may we all have more strength, inspiration and community more so because of this conversation today. So thank you so much. And thank you everyone listening. I I love the power of one, especially remembering that we are all one. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. Thank you. To continue the conversation, visit us at koya.love, Q-O-Y-A dot L-O-V-E, and lifestyleofreverence.com for more information about movement, 
rituals, community, and pilgrimage.